God bless you. Let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to share something. Uh, It's interesting. Sometimes the Lord helps you out. Pastor called me last night, and with all the stuff going on in the family, uh, asked if I would take this service, and and I, I didn't have anything even in the hopper. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have nothing, and uh, I started praying, and uh, I started looking back. What I do is in my, my phone, a lot of times, I write notes from way back, and, uh, and I was scrolling. I was like, Lord, have you ever said anything to me that's pertinent for this hour? <laughs> and uh, I came across a note, and uh, I'm not even really going to talk about what's in the note, but it inspired something else, and uh, uh, God just unfolded some stuff, uh, and I want to share it with you today. And uh, if you want to stand, let's stand for the reading of the word, and we're going to get into our time of Bible study, Uh, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 7, and uh, I'm reading in the English Standard Version in case it sounds a little different than yours. It says this, then the Lord said, speaking to Moses at the burning bush, he said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. God is saying to Moses, I have heard the prayers of my people. And this was the reason for God meeting Moses at the burning bush, because God had been hearing the prayers of other people. And so it translates into this moment in Moses' life where God interjects in Moses' routine and schedule and shows up in this burning bush And he says to Moses, I have been hearing the prayers of my people. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God says this. He says, I want you to see these words. He says, I have come down. Come down where? God showed up at the burning bush because he wanted to bring his people out of Egypt. So God said, I heard prayers, Moses, and that's why I'm here talking to you. Because you are an answer to somebody else's prayer. And so, he says, I've come down and I'm going to deliver on the promise that I made to Abraham generations ago. And he says, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. He says, come, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God says, I'm coming to you because I want to deliver them. And listen to what Moses says. But Moses said to God, who am I that you, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Another version says, who am I, Lord, that you would send me? Tonight, I want to talk to you about overcoming a Moses mentality. And and if you'll allow me just a second to to share what I mean by that is, is God had a work for Moses to do. God had a calling for Moses to accomplish. God had something for Moses to do in the world. But what was holding Moses back was not exterior circumstances, but it was an internal struggle and an internal battle. And I believe that every person in this room, 
God has a calling for your life and he has a purpose for your life and there are people that he has placed you in their path for you to reach them. You are there because they prayed. You met them, you ran into them, you moved in next to them because they prayed. And tonight I, want, I just want to help us. I want to help me and I want to help you get past the mentalities that hold us back from making a difference. Amen. Does anybody agree that, that we want to make a difference in our world? Amen. Let's pray together. Raise your hands. God, we ask for your anointing to be on this Bible study tonight. God, I pray that we would leave here equipped and empowered to be everything that you called us to be. God, to do what you called us to do and to see your purpose uh, and your mission reached in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray it in faith, believing that you're going to do it. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, I want to start off by saying Moses was the deliverer and the leader who almost never was. It almost didn't happen for Moses. Because when God met him at the burning bush, Moses was passive in the plan of God. He had all of this backstory that God had orchestrated. We remember his birth. You read the book of Exodus. God, God has orchestrated the events of his life. But we find him in a moment where he is passive in the plan of God. He has been wandering after sheep in the wilderness now for 40 years. He has abandoned his position in Pharaoh's house. And he has forsaken his inner drive to set things right for his people. His one grand attempt to do something great for God had failed. Just rewind with me for a moment. Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. And he looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. And, and watch what happens. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. This was Moses' one great attempt at doing something for God. In fact, Moses noticed what God noticed. Moses went out among his people and he saw the affliction of his people. He caught the burden that day. He started looking around and he said, this isn't right. This is not how God wants it to be. And so Moses rises up in that moment and he says, I'm going to do something about it. And he looks around. This premeditated, y'all. It wasn't a, a momentary act. He looks around and he sees this Egyptian beating a Hebrew and he sees no one else to catch him. And so he does what only he knows to do in that moment is he strikes down the Egyptian, hides the body, and acts like everything's all right. And then the Bible says he comes again the next day. He's going he's to help some more. He's going to help some more and he finds two Egyptians fighting and, and tries to intervene. And when he finds out that the truth about him is known, 
He fears and then he flees. And it's after his failure, it's as if Moses crumples into this lesser life. Moses makes his escape to Midian, where he would meet his future wife and her father, Jethro, priest of Midian. And listen to Exodus 2.21, it says, And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. Moses was content to dwell in the land of Midian. All of the passion, all of the purpose, as misguided as it was, was pushed to the back burner of his life. And Moses was content to dwell with Jethro. And Moses settles in Midian in more ways than one. Follow with me. Scripture says he's content to dwell there. And he makes a life there. And, and by all accounts, he's comfortable there. But there in Midian, he was also living beneath his purpose. He had settled into a lesser life than his purpose had demanded. His people, meanwhile, were still stuck in Egypt. And their conditions had even grown worse. But Moses settled in Midian. And was content to dwell there. And the picture I see is of a man who once had a burden, but he failed at it. A man who once felt purpose, but felt like a failure. He goes and he finds this alternate, alternate life, this alternative way. And he finds a place where he's comfortable. He gets a wife and he has kids. And he's got a career and a job. And he's got all of this stuff going for him. In the land of Midian, he's got family, he, he, and he, he's just living his life there for 40 years until God interjects and meets Moses at the burning bush. And the reason God does it is to move Moses out of being passive and into fulfilling his purpose. And so all the time that Moses was settled in Midian, God was hearing the prayers of the afflicted Israelites. He saw the pain of his people and was ready to move on his promise to bring them out of Egypt as he had promised their father Abraham many, many years ago. And so God all along had a unique role for Moses to play in the process. He had had his hand on Moses from his birth, but somewhere along the line, Moses lost hope in the plan. And so he lost connection with his purpose. I don't know if anybody's relating yet, but I hope you're preaching between the lines. Because I believe that this happens to us all. Living a settled life, but called to be a catalyst. Living an easy life, but called to be an agent of divine change. You see, Moses was called to confront Pharaoh. To stand up and be a voice for his people. And ultimately to lead them out of bondage and into freedom. But before God could move Moses into his mission, first he had to change his mentality. Because through the years Moses had built up a list of excuses and reasons in his head and in his heart of why God could never or should never use him. Why that was for other people and for other lives, but that Moses 
in his own mind had disqualified himself and disconnected himself from his purpose. You see, what often holds us back from making a difference in our world is not the outside obstacles. It's not the difficulty of the task that God has called us to. Can I get an amen? But it is the inner battle that happens in our head and in our heart. And it's often the questions that we don't have answers to that frees us into inactivity and will cause us to settle in a different life than God intended for us. Questions. Anybody ever ask those to God? <laughs> I have a few questions. We wonder and we say, God, wh where do I fit? Where do I fit, God? Am I really called? I know, I, I know what I felt, but like maybe, maybe I misread you, God. Am I really called? Could God, God, could you really use someone like me? You know what I've done. You saw what I said in traffic yesterday. Can you really use me? You know my history. We ask questions like, do I really have the ability and the talent that it takes to make a difference? Do I have the skills? Do I, God, I'm an introvert. How could I ever win a soul? I don't like talking to my family, much less anybody else, Lord. <laughs> How are you ever going to use me? Could, could that happen? How? How, God? And listen, what I want to show you about the burning bush experience that the Lord showed me is that the burning bush experience was the place where God was settling the issues that were stopping Moses. Now, I find it interesting that the Bible says it was the burning bush when Moses saw it. He saw that it was a bush that burned but was not consumed. And I believe it's representative of the unchanging purpose and plan of God. That fire, I believe, had been burning for a long time. Not in the wilderness, but in the heart of God. For a long time, ever since Jacob and his 12 sons meandered their way by way of Joseph into Egypt, that fire had been burning in the heart of God. God knew that one day, I know that my children are suffering now, but there will come a day when my purpose and my plan will unfold. And so Moses meets God at this bush that is not consumed. And, and here's what I want you to notice about it, is Moses has a two-chapter long conversation with God at the burning bush. We, we think of it as a moment. But two chapters worth of conversation while Moses is standing there and the fire is still burning. It is not consumed. It does not go up. It is not a passing fancy of God. But it is something that is remaining with intensity, with fury, and it is not going out. And I believe, I, I, the Lord just gave this to me. I believe that what God was showing Moses is as long as it takes for me to get you into the mentality that you need to be in, I'm still going to be burning with fire and passion until you catch it in your soul. And so, it's at the burning bush that God begins to deal with the inner issues that are stopping Moses from being who God called him to be. Listen, the Bible says that where two or three agree is touching anything, what happens? Anybody remember? 
It shall be done, right? When we pray and agree as touching anything, it shall be done. The Bible says this, that one shall put a thousand to flight and two shall put ten thousand to flight, right? The children of God ever get involved and plugged in to the purpose of God, it will happen. The Bible says, and upon this rock uh, I will build my church. And listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And what is stopping the mission of the church in this world is not what's out there. It's not a corrupt culture because the Roman culture was just as corrupt as ours. It's not a people that are disinterested in religion because they had never even heard of Jesus when the New Testament revival began. What's stopping the church is not out there. It's in here and in here. It's what's happening inside of us. And so what God is doing at the burning bush with Moses is God is dealing with the mentalities in Moses that is stopping him from fulfilling the mission that God called him to. Now God, I said it several times, God has orchestrated the events of his life. There is a tidal wave of miraculous power behind Moses. God has done all of this. He's pulled strings of world powers to get Moses in position. But he still can't move the man until the man gets his mind in alignment with God's mission. And so Moses needed a mental shift. And scripture shows how it unfolds in Exodus 3 and 4. I read it in our text. Moses meets God's calling with a question. Because questions often are what stop us. He says, Lord, who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Like, who, who are you talking about, God? Who am I that you would send me? Here's what Moses is essentially saying to God. God, I am not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not good enough. God, did you see what I did when I tried before? And you're asking me? You see, this wasn't merely a passing thought, but this was an abiding conviction in the life of Moses. He was dealing with the layers of his own story. He was living in Midian at that moment because he had tried and failed. Before the burning bush, his story was a tragedy of wasted potential, protected from, de uh, from death by God at birth. Placed in an ark as a baby. Against all odds raised in the house of Pharaoh on the lap of his own mother. He's educated. He's influential. He knows the language of the people that he needs to move. And it seems as if he were divinely placed in that house to help God's people. But then he tries. And he fails. And in his mind, the story should have ended with success. It should, have, it should have played out. There was a trajectory to this thing that Moses thought, when I finally step out and do this, God could bang, whap, bam, zing, boom, and it's done. That's how I thought when I was called to preach. I'm like, God, I remember being like, I was called to preach when I was 12 years old, believe it or not. I remember being 14 and weeping, God, are you ever going to use me? I didn't know enough. I knew enough to hurt a lot of people, not enough to help anybody. I remember thinking, God, when will it ever happen? And Moses sees this trajectory in his life, and then it flatlines when he fails. In his mind, it should have ended with success, 
perhaps with his influence he could have turned the tide of Egyptian politics and he, he saw himself speaking to Pharaoh and leading Israelites to freedom. But instead, he ends up a killer and he kills an Egyptian and is rejected by his own Israelite brothers. And so he runs off to Midian, the reformer that never was, the failure, the wannabe. And that fact is one that Moses lived with for 40 years in Midian. You see, Moses' history was informing his faith for his future. And the reason we are struggling with the Moses mentality is when we resist getting involved in God's plan because we know too much about how we failed before. We all do it as we say, God, I, I want to be used by you. But when we go to step out in faith, we are reminded of the times that we let ourselves down, when we let others down, when we thought we were doing good and it didn't work out, when you prayed in faith and it didn't work. Just because you, uh, it didn't happen like you thought it would does not mean that God did not call you. Just because you tried and failed doesn't mean that God can't use you. You see, what we fail to realize is that failure is a necessary step to your future. Moses had to first learn that he could not fulfill God's purpose in his own strength or by his own plans. It was a necessary link. You see, Moses never saw that in the trajectory of, of his future. He, never, he just saw himself rising right to the top and never having to be humbled. But Moses tried it in his own strength. He tried it in his own power. And he fell flat on his face and ended up a nobody living in nowhere. And it was all a part of the plan of God. You know how I know? Because his life is in 40-year segments. God's hand was directing him, and God put him in Midian. But in Moses' mind, he, he was a failed reformer. Moses first had to learn to fail. You know the, the best way to get over the fear of failure? It's to fail. I told my daughter this a while back. She doesn't like to shoot the basketball. She's got a good shot, but she don't want to miss. She's a perfectionist. And so last year I got tired. My, my vocal cords got tired of hollering at her, shoot when she's wide open because I've watched her drain many in the driveway and I told her I said baby the only way that you're ever going to get over that is to miss a few and realize it's going to be okay because the time will come when you get comfortable and it and it all flows together and it'll it'll work out but you'll never do anything if you're afraid to try Somebody needs to hear that in the Holy Ghost. The reason you're not doing anything for God is because you're too scared to try. Because you messed up before. But God is saying, give me your future. Give me your faith. And I'll make sure that you accomplish my purpose. Moses, he had some stuff to learn. He had the right motive, but he had the wrong timing. And this left him with a question of who, who am I that you would send me, God? How are you going to use me? And before he could move into his mission, he first had to settle this question of identity. Who am I? Can God use me? You see, how you see yourself can stop you from pursuing your purpose. God had to shift Moses from self-reliant to spirit reliance. In Exodus 3.12, listen to what he says. This is God's response to Moses' question. He says, Moses, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God 
on this mountain. And Moses would later from that same mountain tell God, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not carry us up hence. God said, I will let you go. This is fast forwarding way into the future. And God said, I'll let you go into the promised land. But because the people have betrayed me, you can go without me. And Moses has learned his lesson by this time. Moses has had a shift in his mentality because he tried it without God before and he ended up spending 40 years in Midian. And it's amazing to me that Israel has to learn the same lesson when they get into the wilderness that Moses did. Is you can't do this thing on your own. It's really not just about you. God tells Moses, it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. And Moses, what you need to understand is when you feel like you're not enough. And, and when you fail too many times. And when your history disqualifies you. That I am with you. And you know how I'll know, you'll know when I'm with you? After you go. He said, you're going to show up. And listen, I'm going to expound on that. But Moses' mentality shifted when he realized it's not about me. It's about who's with me. And the God who is working in you, with you, and for you will make sure that you accomplish the mission he sent you to. Listen to Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God's answer to the issue of Moses' identity was not, you are good enough. That's not what the message is. That'll make you feel good. That's not what God said. He didn't say, no, Moses, you're the man. You got this, Moses. He didn't pat Moses on the back and say, man, you can do it. That's not what God said. God said, Moses, I'll be there. You don't have to worry about it. I'll be there. I am with you. You see, Moses was right about his history and his limitations, but he was wrong about who his success relied on. He was right. You know what? And you are too. You have failed. You have let God down. You did try it and fall on your face. You're correct about that. But what you're wrong about is who it really relies on. Because it's, if it's God's purpose and if it's God's calling, it's really not about you. Can I get an amen? And so how, how do you move beyond the identity question? Here's how. You get a firm conviction that fulfilling your purpose is more about who you're walking with than who you have been. Moses could emerge from a checkered history of failure and flopping into a powerful era of ministry because he learned that when I go and when I am obedient to the voice of God, he is with me. And I'd love to tell you that that, 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 that solved the issues for Moses, but that doesn't solve the issues for Moses. He's got several more I'm going to talk to you about. But listen to this. Next thing, very next verse. Then Moses said to God, he said, okay, God, you're with me. But if I go, and I, or if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? God, I don't know what to say when I get there. What shall I say to them? Here's the next question that Moses, first was the question of identity. The second is the question of competence. God, can I even do this? I don't know what to do. I don't have all the answers. Moses knew the first step, but he didn't know the second. He understood God was sending him and would be with him. 
but he wasn't confident with what to do next. And so Moses' question strikes at the issue of confidence. He's wondering, what if I don't know what to do next? Because you see what he says. God says, go to Pharaoh, go to the people. He says, okay, God, say I get there and I fail again. Say I get there and it doesn't all fall into place like I thought it would last time. God, what if I come to them and they got some questions about me? What will I say? I don't really know what to do. And so he's wondering, what if I don't have all the answers? Moses knew the purpose. Listen to this. He had caught the vision. He understood the burden. But he did not know how to proceed beyond the first step. The first step was saying yes. But he didn't know anything more than that. But watch what happens. There was further revelation that was needed in order for him to do what God called him to do. He had made the mistake of stepping out on his own, and it had brought him failure. Relying on your own understanding will always bring you failure. I, I, I thought about this story while I was studying today. One time, um, I went to pray for a lady when I, was, when I was a youth pastor for my dad in San Antonio, Texas. He called up one day, and, and it was just myself and our music minister, uh, Shane Hargis, that were at the church. And he called up, and I was, I mean, I was brand spanking new in the ministry. I never made a hospital visit, I mean, other than tagging along with my dad when I was a kid. And so he said, why don't you and Shane go up there and pray for this lady? And uh, I said, okay, well, I handed the phone to our music minister, Shane, and, and uh, my dad told him what was wrong with the lady. So we hopped in the car, and we went up there, and uh, we got into the hospital room, and um, we got in there, and we prayed for the lady, and, and Brother Shane, he... Uh, he started to pray, and I mean, the most fervent prayer I've, I've heard. God, you see this lady's urinary tract, and she has a urine infection. And oh God, we just ask you to put your hands on her and touch her. And I mean, he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And the woman looked confused. <laughs> and finally, Finally, after she was praying, he said, how do you feel? I mean, he was expecting her to be healed right there. The good news is she had no problems in her urinary tract. She had no UTI. That's not what she had. She had an ear infection. But, but Shane was hard of hearing, and he heard urine infection. And so... I, I had to walk out of the room because I was laughing so hard. She said, no, no, no. She was a little Spanish-speaking lady. She said, no, 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 it's my ears. It's my ears. And I had to walk out of the room because I was laughing so hard. But that came to me today because that's what we look like when we rely on our own understanding. Is we're trying with all of our might to do what we think needs to be done. And God is saying, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. When we rely on our understanding, it can mess stuff up pretty bad. Listen, humility is a good thing. Can I get an amen? But listen, humility must be paired with confidence in God to equip you. Moses could not move forward until he was sure of the plan. God's answer to the question of confidence, listen to this, was revelation. Here's what God did for Moses when Moses said, I don't think I can do it. I don't know what to do. Is God gave him revelation. He revealed to Moses. He says, when you get there and they ask you, 
who has sent you. You tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Now, I was studying uh, many years ago when I was on the evangelistic field and came across a Hebrew scholar who said that this was a Jewish idiom, a Hebrew idiom, which means this. When you get there, I will be there. Now, it also means the all-sufficient one, and it has a lot of wonderful and rich meaning. But one of the meanings is, when you get there, I will be there. In other words, what he was saying to Moses is when you show up to the elders of Israel and you tell them, God sent me, he said, I will have already arrived to that meeting. I got there before you. When he shows up in the Pharaoh's courtroom, God is saying, when you get there, I am that I am. When you get there, I will already be there because I am the one who is the existent one. I already exist in the need before you ever arrive to the conclusion that you have a need. And so he says, you can walk in confidence, Moses, because there is nowhere that you will go that I have not gone before you. And so Moses, you don't always need to know the next step. Look how God led Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to leave. Where do you want me to go, God? He says, go out to a land that I will show you. And, and when he goes out, that's when God shows him. God doesn't always give us all the steps up front. You've been waiting on a 64-point plan. Some of you guys, I know you, you're, you're, like, you're planners. You want to know all the details. But what God tells Moses, he says, Moses, here's the revelation that you need. I am that I am. It's a revelation for you, and it's a revelation for them. Tell them the I am that I am sent you. You see, here's the interesting thing. is in the life of the patriarchs, whenever God revealed himself, he would reveal himself through a name. We see it in the life of Abraham when, when he's on uh, uh, the, the mountain and he's just almost sacrificed Isaac and the Lord shows him a ram in the bush and reveals his name as, you remember it, Jehovah what? Jireh, the Lord who provides and Abraham was a patriarch. He revealed himself to Hagar, Abraham's concubine, when she was cast out of Abraham's house. And he was revealed as El Roy, or El Roy, that he is the God who sees. Jacob met him, and he called him El Elohe, Israel, God the God of Israel. And so throughout Israel's history, the patriarchs, are affirmed in their relationship with God and, and, and verified, essentially, by their knowledge of God's name. And so when Moses shows up, he's got a revelation of the name, which will say to the men that he's come to that God has sent this man. You see, God, his plan was revelation. And God reveals the plan progressively. The words for Moses to speak to Israel. And listen, through this chapter, when Moses asked, God lays out the plan. He said, you're going to go to Israel, and you're going to tell them this, and they're going to believe. And he said this, he says, not only that, but you're going to go to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's not going to believe. And God answers the issue of competence because Moses wasn't sure he could do it, but God reveals to him the plan. When we feel we are not competent, James tells us this in James 1.5, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So what do you do when you don't know what to do next? Maybe you've responded to God's call, and you don't know where to go next, or how to turn next, or what to do next. Here's what you do. You ask God 
And James tells us the one who asks in faith without wavering. You ask God and then you stand on the belief that he's going to show you. You know what a big part of our problem is? Is most of us are just not willing to wait on that to happen. We try to do all these things. We do it in the church, church staff. We do it in ministry all across the land. Christians, is we, we want to do something for God, so we just go do it before we've heard from the Spirit. But the Bible says that if you don't know what to do, if God has given you a calling, if God has called you to start a community group, or if God has called you to get involved in new staff, or if God has, has called you to start a home Bible study, and you know the next step to take you, what you do is you stop. And ask God, and God will show you. Moses, when he comes to the waters of Merah, they're, they're three days thirsty and pretty mad. Anybody ever get hangry? A little too long till lunchtime, you get hangry, start snapping at everybody around you. Israel is three, three times hangry. They're thirsty. And they come to the waters of Merah and taste the waters, and they're bitter. And they say, Moses, you brought us here to die. And Moses goes to God and says, God, I don't know what to do. Did you bring us here to die? Are they right? <laughs> and you know what? Moses asked God for wisdom. The Bible says this, that Moses cried to the Lord. He cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed Moses a tree. The tree was already planted. It was already there. He showed Moses a tree. And when he pulled that tree up and cast it into the water, the waters thereof were made sweet. It was a problem with no solution. But because Moses asked for wisdom from God, he got his mentality right. He didn't know what to do next. But that didn't stop him from stepping out in faith and getting involved in the ministry and getting involved in the kingdom of God. And listen, what I'm trying to tell you is the question of competency should never stop you from fulfilling a, a call to ministry. Because if you will step out, God will show up. There is nowhere that God has called you to that he hasn't already gone before you no matter how big it seems no matter how impossible it seems there's nowhere that he has not already been can I get an amen next is the question of influence and I'm I'm getting close to a close these last two I didn't have a, a whole lot of time to put notes together on because I had so much you know but we had the question of identity who am I we have the question of competency what do I do Lord I don't know what to do so many people frozen by that question, Lord, how, how do I even do this? Frozen into inaction, going to church every week, praying to God. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise hand, but raise it in your spirit. How many of you have spent morning after morning after morning saying, God, I feel a burden for this, but I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to turn, I don't know what steps to take. I don't know where to turn with it. How many of you have ever felt God nudge you to go talk to a, a friend or a neighbor or a stranger and you said, uh, I don't know what to say. That's the question of competency. And God has to deal with that in Moses before he can use him mightily. Because if you let it freeze you from ever acting, you will never see the provision of God. You'll never see the plan and the path that he's unfolded for you if you're not willing to step out in faith. And you can spend a lifetime on a church pew and never make a difference in anybody's life. Because of the question of competency. Lord, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have the answers. I don't know if I have what it takes. The next question is the question of influence. Moses tells God, he says, God, what if I get there and I say all this and they don't believe me? This is one that I've often struggled with. Because after God unfolds the steps for Moses to take, 
He next has to deal with the question of whether anybody will respond. Will it make a difference, God? You see, Moses has moved at this point from passive to willing. He's moved from not knowing what to do to understanding God's plan. God has unfolded what to do. He sees it all. But Moses is now frozen because he believes that even if he follows through, they still will not respond. And this is a sad place to be, to know God, to love God, but to question so heavily whether people will respond. To question so heavily whether you can influence anybody. Has anybody ever felt, I don't know if what I'm doing is making a difference. We say things and we teach our kids and we say, I don't know if I'm making a difference. And many people are frozen in their mission because they think they can't make a difference. They never move past the question of influence. They're frozen in place by the fear of being rejected or ignored. They're afraid that even if they do what God is asking, the people will still not move. We write it off because we say, I would witness to that person that I felt that about. I would go talk to them. But they don't want Jesus. They're not the type of family that would come and be baptized. That's not who they are. They're pretty involved where they're at now. I don't know if I should invite them to friend day. Will they even care or respond? And this is the question of influence, frozen in place by the fear of rejection. You see, it's why we make those excuses when God says, go pray for that person that you don't know. It's why we never get around to starting that ministry or that group that God was dealing with us about. It's why we never move forward in the mission of God. And all along, God is saying, I've heard their prayer, and I'm asking you to go. But we're saying, God, I don't know if they'll respond. Let me, let me just put it to you this way. God would not ask you to go if hearts were not ready. God would not ask you to go if people were unwilling to respond. God is reaching. The Bible says he's seeking and uh, such as will worship him in spirit and in truth. And his spirit directs you. Am I saying that everybody you go to will come to the knowledge of truth? No. Sometimes you're just called to plant a seed. And somebody else is called to come along and water it. And God will give the increase. But here's what I'm telling you. Is people's response is not your problem. What if they don't respond? Moses remembers now the rejection that sent him packing before. And as much as he understands the mission and wants to respond to it, he fears what will they do? And that's what was holding him back. And you know what God's answer was? God's answer was a snake, a sickness, and some water. He says, hey Moses, see that staff in your hand? I want you to throw your staff on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. You know the story. This is Wednesday night Bible study. Y'all know it. I know y'all know it. And it turns into a snake. And God says, now pick it back up again. And Moses, it probably took him a little while. Good thing the burning bush was not consumed. I have a feeling that was the longest period of that chapter. <laughs> Moses finally picks it back up again and it becomes a staff again. And he says, Moses, put your, put your hand inside of your bosom. Put your hand inside of your clothing and pull it out again. And when he pulls it out, it's full of leprosy. And God says, put it back in again. And he puts it back in and pulls it out. And it's healed as if it was never sick at all. 
And God tells him, now Moses, I want you to take a little bit of water from the Nile. If they still don't believe you after the snake and after the sickness, take a little water from the Nile and put it into a vial. And when you cast it out, it'll turn to blood. And God gives Moses these miraculous signs. Because God was showing Moses that miracles are always connected to God's purpose. How many of you ever asked God, why haven't I seen a miracle? Anybody ever prayed that? God, why, why haven't I seen that? Just me? Amen. God, I want to see that. Amen. I love what Brother Marshall did here Sunday. After church, I was like, God, how come you don't ever tell me stuff about people? I want every gift. I want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. We all need to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. We should earnestly desire that. Amen. But here's, here's how God's miracles flow. They flow through his purpose. And God tells Moses, you know, Moses never did a miracle till he responded to the call. Miracles were done for him behind the scenes, but Moses never participated in a miracle until he was a part of the mission. And so Moses, God was showing him that miracles will always be connected and miracles will always happen when you get involved in God's plan. Reaching people, hear me, will always be a miracle. You can't plan well enough and you cannot present well enough to bring people to a conversion and a salvation experience. You cannot do it. It will always require the supernatural. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draws him, right? You can't do it anyways. It's not really about how good you are. But when you get involved in God's purpose, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and it has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What he's saying there is that the anointing will flow and allow you to bring the supernatural out of the natural when you get there. Because the anointing is connected to purpose. And you've ever wondered, God, why? How can I be more anointed? Here's how you can be more anointed. Get involved in what God has called you to do. And when you get in the middle of it, something will hit. God has already made miraculous provision for you to make a difference. And so the key to overcoming the question of influence is being willing to trust God to show up more than you doubt whether people will respond. What if we just hung up? You know, we should just hang it up. We should just close the doors of the church if we believe that people cannot be reached. But I believe... This is just what I felt the Lord talking to me today about. I believe that so many people don't ever do anything or say anything because they say they'll never respond to that. God wants to use us, amen? And God wants to resolve the question of influence. Let me tell you something. God can use you, and God will use you, and God will show up in ways that you cannot imagine. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, they don't activate because I'm feeling especially froggy one Sunday morning. The gifts of the Spirit don't activate because, like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we just, like, you know, boom, healed some people. Do you know when, when the gifts show up is when they are needed? And when people are willing to step in and operate in the gifts of the Spirit by faith. In other words, not worrying. You know, it's hard, it's hard to say something, to give a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy to somebody. I've been real nervous because the more specific you get, the scarier it is. <laughs> The more specific you get, the easier it is to be wrong. And how many of us have bitten our tongues because we're afraid if they say, that's not right at all, you crazy. 
Try again. Wrong answer. <laughs> but God will show up if we'll step out. And when a need arises, God will give you influence. Amen? The last one I want to talk about for the next five minutes is this. The last one Moses says, he says, God, I am not eloquent. Lord, I, I don't, I'm a man of slow speech. Many theologians and scholars believe that Moses had a stutter. Whether it was a speech impediment or he just talked really slowly, I don't know. But he said, I am slow of speech. And God responds to this question of obstacles and limitations by saying to Moses, Moses, I made your mouth. Moses, I will be with your mouth. This is literally what God says. He says, Moses, I made your mouth and I will be with your mouth. And so I ask you the question tonight, in these last few moments, is this the, mo is this the miracle that Moses missed out on? Moses saw the Red Seas open. He had all these miraculous, you know, manna coming down from heaven. He had all this stuff happen. Turn water into blood. Turn all of this stuff happened for him. But God tells Moses, Moses, I made your mouth. And the reason you think you can't go is because you're slow of speech. But I made your mouth. I just turned your staff into a snake. But Moses struggles to believe that God will bring him beyond his own personal limitations. It was probably something he had lived with for a long time. And he, he had grown accustomed to it. And, and God said, I made your mouth, Moses. And I, listen to what God says, I will be with your mouth. God is saying to Moses, I'll help you talk. The anointing will come upon you, Moses, and you'll be as clear as day. You won't stutter or speak slowly anymore. But Moses had a harder time overcoming this question than any other. And it's because of it he missed his miracle. Moses' response to God when God said, I made your mouth. Here's what Moses says. He says, God, send someone else. Send someone else. There are too many obstacles and limitations in my personal life. Send somebody else. I'm too limited. I can't do it. And even since you spoke to me, he says this, I'm still slow of speech. He said, God, you hadn't done it yet. Even when you started talking, even after I believed, even after you've revealed all these things to me and you've helped me to resolve these inner mentalities that I've been struggling with, he said, I'm still slow to speak. I'm still slow to speak. It hasn't happened yet. And when Moses could not believe God to overcome his personal limitation, you know what God says to him? He says, Moses... He says, I, I will teach your mouth. I'll help you. But when Moses can't receive it, God doesn't cancel his mission. You know what God does? He says, your brother Aaron is coming to you. And I'll help Aaron too. And when you know your own limitations and you see things that you can't even believe and have faith to overcome, I'm not cutting you out of my plan. But he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to partner you with the right people. I'm going to put the right people in your life to link up with so that you can do what I've called you to do. And so Moses, you don't have to walk on this mission alone. I'm going to bring the right people at the right time into your life. You know, I've, I've heard this said, and I believe it's true, that when God wants, you to take, take, when God wants to take you to a new level, he introduces you to a new person in your life. He puts someone in your life who's able to help you get there. And so even, even if you've struggled with God 
about your own limitations. What you need to realize is that God is so committed to his mission that he will not cut you out. He will not, he will not, will not leave you out. But the Bible says that after this fourth question, God shows Moses that he will partner with you. And he will place the people in your life to help you overcome your obstacles. And so when, when Moses hears all this, I want you to see in Exodus 4.18 as I wrap up. Stand with me. The Bible says Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are alive. For the first time in over 40 years, Moses is ready to respond to the mission and the call of God. He says... To his father-in-law, I've got to go. God, through this burning bush experience, removes the mentalities that have been holding him from his mission. And many of us tonight, we struggle with Moses' mentalities. We spend our lives talking ourselves out of the purpose and the plans that God has for us. He wants to make a difference through each and every one of our lives. Does anyone believe that here? He wants to make a difference. And so we're going to pray tonight in the end. But I, I want to just say this to you. That God knew and could see what Moses could not see. Inside that stuttering shepherd, there was a leader. Underneath the surface, there was a mighty man of God. Mind-boggling miracles were in his future. And I'm saying that about you tonight. As you may not be able to see it, but God has some incredibly special things that he wants every individual in this room to be a part of. So my prayer, and I want you to pray with me, is that someone who's settled will be unsettled. Someone who has moved out into your personal Midian and hasn't been involved in God's mission, that you'll be moved out of Midian tonight. I want to pray that the prayers of a lost world would be answered by a church that will respond to the call of God. Can we lift our hands and pray, Lord, God, we pray right now, God, I pray for hearts and minds, Lord. I know this is just a Wednesday Bible study, but Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, you want to lead us into broad and open places of ministry, of power. God, you want to, you want to move people out of being settled, God, to being unsettled, God. You want to move people out of, God, having little anointing in their life into a great anointing. Lord, you want to move people out of not operating in the gifts to operating in the gifts. God, you want to start ministries out of people's lives in this room. And God, I pray that every lie that we have believed, God, would be cast down. We take captive every thought and every mentality that has held us out of your mission. God, there is no reason that we cannot be the answer for a hurting world. God, there is no reason that we cannot be involved in your mission. God, there is no reason that we cannot see great miracles, signs, and wonders happen according to your will. I pray you would do it, God, and you, you would unwind every thought that has held us back and release us with inner freedom in Jesus' name. Does anybody believe that? Would you say amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to overcome the Moses mentality.